Of course, I prefer in person. Like that yeah, way, there would is... be nothing better. But you're in fucking lame ass Ohio. That's right. Okay. Let me turn off this too. This better fucking work for a minute. Okay. Just say, just say anything. Uh, tell me about your day. How was your day? Uh, my yeah. day was great. I uh, woke up, and that's okay. a good start for it. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're good. <laughs> so you're not dead. So that's the marker of a good so- day. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Davina Joy. Davina is a comic from South Africa and is the creator and host of Naked and Serious Podcast. She currently lives in Los Angeles, works at the Comedy Store, and has performed all over L.A. and the world. Davina enjoys a self-proclaimed shameless lifestyle, and she loves to provide people with too much information about it. But it's what makes her fun. I better know Davina from us being former co-workers at the insanity that is the comedy store. So tell us, Davina, do you really have a <laughs> podcast where people get naked? What made you get into comedy? How hard is it watching people do the job you want as you wait tables? Hit it. Ooh, heavy. Uh, Kate, yes. Three questions. Smoke weed. Can't. <laughs> I might ask you to repeat them. I just might ask you to repeat them. But the first question, which is my favorite, is yes, I do have a naked podcast. Uh, it's called Naked and Serious Podcast. And I interview people on my couch naked. Like, we're just... Hanging out naked, talking about life, you know? Okay, so why why naked? Does it get people more honest? Or is it, what, what made you think of that? Well, the idea came to me after having sex with this guy that I thought was hot at my gym uh, <laughs> that I didn't really know that well. That a girl. <laughs> and uh, he just, we knew that each other was hot. And uh, so we were done and we're just sitting there like getting high probably chatting the deepest we ever have in like the little bit of time that we had known each other. And I just go, we're so naked and we're so serious. And this is hilarious. And he goes, naked and serious is hilarious. And I was like, I'm going to make that a podcast. So like, that's how naked and serious. I didn't even know what it meant. I just was like, I'm going to have a podcast named naked and serious. And then I was like, Oh, so we got to be naked. AKA the thing I love to do more than anything in the world. (laughs) I'm like, nobody's going to do this. But I'm like, yeah, they are. Like, people are going to do this. So the reason for the nudity is I really sat in meditation and started saying what everyone's going to ask me. Like, why do you want to do this naked? Is that uh, first off, we start off that way. And there's just something about, like, when you meet somebody, if they're wearing, like, a Guns N' Roses shirt or they're wearing, like, a shawl, like, we judge people and start creating stories about them off of, like, what we see and what our perspective is. So you might be like, oh, this guy loves rock and roll. He could hate it, and he's wearing his laundry shirt for the day. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a way that we let people show up and then we start having these like judgments and thoughts about them. So if somebody's naked, they come undefined. They're completely open. They're a complete like blank, blank script. And you can just like talk to them and get to know them. And yeah. And it's just always something that I've been comfortable with. And it's also, we live in America and in America, they sexualize the body so much that like a woman can't be topless topless at a beach. Or if she shows a nipple on Instagram, 
it's like, take this down and report this. And this is against our, our policy. Whereas a man can have breast more voluptuous than I ever could dream of having <laughs> and hairy nipple and just be out there like, eh, like it just, it's insane to me. So I really want to detach what nudity and sexuality is because we put, we sexualize the body so much, men and women, we sexualize ourselves so much. And it's just like, sex is great. It's awesome. Like I am all for that. But like, just cause someone's naked doesn't mean you have the right to touch them. Doesn't mean you have the right to like, think that, oh, this is a person that's a slut or up for grabs. And I love being a slut. So it's not a bad word. So I'm mad that I said that. But just like, who cares? If somebody's naked, it doesn't mean that you have a right to like have more, no boundaries with that person. So it's like nudity still has boundaries, you know? I love that a lot, actually. And, you know, it's interesting. I've seen the cover art for your podcast is fantastic. And it, the <laughs> interviews are so great. And you did a, you did a dump, right? Where you dumped like all of your episodes at once, right? Like within a week of each other, I think every week I put one out and I had 15 episodes and then it just became, it was funny because the truth of it is like, I think I was in a little bit of a depression mode is what I call it. <laughs> and um, I, I know that, my girl. producer at the time was going through some things. And so it was like, I think we just like misaligned and then... Um, I, I don't know. It's been a couple of years since I've shot it, but I have a list of people who want to be on it. And I'm at this point now where it's like time to bring Naked and Serious back. And this is an interesting time because I did not know a global pandemic <laughs> was going to happen. You did it? Between hiatus. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's insane. I mean, I knew something shitty was happening in 2020. Uh, this is a sad moment, but whatever. Uh, my dog, you know, passed away at the beginning of 2020, January 3rd, 2020. Um, and he was hit by a car and it was just this freak accident that was fucking horrid. And on January 4th, 2020, I looked at my roommate in the morning and I just said, something's wrong with this year. I don't know what it is, but this is a bad fucking omen. Like what the fuck just happened last night? Like losing my baby. Right. And then two months later, March 12th, is the last time that I worked at the comedy store in March 13th. We're in a global pandemic. I am psychic and intuitive, but I had no idea. Like I didn't, I hope I didn't call this. I'm sorry guys <laughs> if I caused this. Okay. Me so and Oswald apologies. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, <laughs> so, so you, but you feel like as far as the podcast goes, you feel like you have a list of people that want to do it and you feel like now's the time to get it kind of like you feel sort of creatively charged to bring it back. It's always, I'm the crazy thing. And this is why I'm going to do frog poison. This is why I want to do combo. I, <laughs> I feel like there, I feel like there is something that is like at attached to me that is just lazy. Like the laziest demon you could ever imagine is like on me. And so like, I'm excited to do it always. Like if I had for me, the administrative part of it is what like stops me because I'm like, I'm the creative. I'll get the people. I'll ask the questions like I'll make everybody comfortable. Like that's my thing. The team that I need to be like, OK, I have the equipment and I know what to do when I when we record it to take that equipment and like hand it to an editor or be able to edit it myself. All that stuff, the details feels so heavy and hard to me because it's something I want to be a part of. And I want like my Virgo ascendants, like you need to know everything, but I'm like, I don't, I, I can't know everything and do everything. So I get very taken aback by 
like the thought of the work, which sounds ridiculous because I truly think this is my soul's purpose. Like my whole life, I've been like, oh, I have tits now. Guys, who wants to see them? Like guys and girls and parents. I don't care. Like I didn't (laughs) care. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like Davina was just like, it was hard to keep friends because they're like, yeah, bring your friend over. (laughs) Oh, she's naked again? Bring your friend over. Oh, your friend's a fucking pervert whore. Like we have to get rid of her. She's seven and she's (laughs) trying to see us naked. Like I wanted to see people naked too. Like I've just really been a very insane my poor parents like God they bless. they did not raise me to be this I just went against everything they told me to do <laughs> you know sometimes that happens so you but you feel connected and called to not only like separate the sexuality but for like sexual feelings from nudity or at least like sexualization of the body you feel called to mm-hmm. address that now do you use comedy to do that or is the podcast pretty serious it's called naked and serious so I, I assume it's called naked and serious but like no I mean I did cry on one episode for sure uh talking about black lives matter so that was like deep and the, the gentleman I had on he was the first guy that I had on um was Af- is African-American Jay Richie you're the best and so There's been serious moments, but like everything I do has humor behind it because I'm just a silly broad. Like silly is a great way to describe. Yes, you are silly. Yeah, I'm goofy. I'm silly. I love being laughed at, and like I'm immature, and so it's like I can get people just going, and it's my heart. It's my heart. But I also like love talking. I have to clearly, if you could tell, you ask like one sentence and I'm like 52 minutes later. (laughs) Do you have another question? But my whole life since like childhood, elementary school, all my report cards were like, Davina's amazing. She needs to shut the fuck up. Like she's (laughs) smart, intelligent. The teachers would get so mad at me because I'd be talking while they're talking and they'd be like, Davina, what did I just say? And I could verbatim tell them what they they just said. And they're like, Okay, well, not everybody can do that and you need to stop talking. They would move me to a corner and I'd be looking at my friend until they looked at me and be like, anyway. (laughs) It was always always in trouble. So like having, I want Naked and Serious to be a network show someday. Like that's the biggest goal is to be able to normalize like friends just getting to hang out naked and have fun. Like Mm. just... Be nude and like just have fun, you know, like if we were all naked at the beach and didn't have tan lines, how hot would we be? Like, come on. It's crazy to me that you've never been to Burning Man. Like, I don't understand how you have I, never been. That is your... I'm cheap. Uh, well, I'm it's, cheap. A, it's enormous. I that there's no, like, money behind it, but I'm not making money when I'm gone for a week as well. Like, yeah. let me have some residual income and I'll own Burning Man. Oh, and don't get but it yeah, twisted. No, no. I definitely... Yeah, Burning Man ain't cheap, though. It's a European vacation cost. I mean, everybody says, yeah, there's not money there. That whole experience will set you back two grand and you don't work. So mm, yeah, yeah, it's a, I mean, I, I'm just like partially joking, but it's, it's mostly naked. Everyone's naked. No, but it costs. Yeah. Oh, everyone's and They're all like having sex and having fun. And I'm all about that freeness too. Like, Mm -hmm. I really love that. But there's, there's just been this comfort because I've been so sexually driven for, I'm 40 now. So for 45 years, (laughs) I've been so sexually driven. I was like in heaven. They're like, we got to get this girl back on earth. She's a fucking slut. Um, Amazing. I'm so sexually driven that it's just like, you know, for me to 
to really, I had a group in Arizona, like just a spirit group that we decided to go to hot springs one time. And that was the first time, like a bunch of us got naked together and it wasn't, there was no, like, I didn't want to have sex. I'm very straight. So the girls that were there, I'm like, cool. I don't care about you. The guys that were there were like my brothers. It was just all like family and it just felt so normal. And so much so that by the time we got back, our one friend, David had this house that we called Carolot Farms. And it was literally the front door open. Like you could walk in, walk out, whatever. From the door to anywhere I ended up in the house, I would be naked. Like after the hot springs, like you gave me one chance it's to off. get naked with you, I would <laughs> Hang out at the house naked. So we're just, and some people would be clothed. Some people would be like, oh, Davina's here. I'll get naked too. Like it was just, who cares? Mm. And it just, the freedom behind it and the tapping into like that natural, like childhood. What do all kids do when you put clothes on them and a diaper oh, yeah. on them? They fucking tear it off and want to run around naked. Like yeah. it's our instinct. And we have so much of our instinct and our intuition and our innate wisdom just pounded the fuck out of us the second we breathe mm -hmm. that it's like, man, this is so simple to do. And every time I'm at the beach, because there's some beaches I know around here where I can like take my top off and not have to worry about it. Every time within an hour, some other girl or some two other girls have taken their top off too. Like, it's just like people feel they need this permission. Mm -hmm. And right. I, I was literally the only one in Tulum recently. We were at a hotel DJ party. And I asked the guy when I got there, I'm like, hey, can we be topless? Like in the pool, it was a pool party. And he was just like, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, cool. Only person out of like, probably 150, like <laughs> dancing in front of everyone. I climbed a tree in front of the DJ booth topless. Like I was like trying to, I was climbing this palm tree. I just, why aren't we all having fun like that? <laughs> it's a great question, Davida. <laughs> so is that, got, is that what got you into comedy? Because it was like an easier transition as a woman to be able to be freer. Like, did you want to act? Did you want to do other stuff? My whole childhood. So I was the black girl in my school, which I was just looking at a map when you were saying Davina's from South Africa, because I'm like, is Kenya in South Africa? I mean, Kenya's kind of East Africa. Oh, I'm such my an mom. asshole. I thought you were it from the no. southern part of Africa. I didn't know Kenya was where you were from. Well... Malawi. I was born Malawi. in Kenya, but my bloodline is from Malawi. And Malawi is like, I mean, it's it's on the southern part of Africa. Like, it depends on how you cut Africa. But I don't know if that's considered East or South Africa, too. But anyway. Well, it's hold on. Um, I do want to clarify this. So so Kenya, though, is where you spent most of your time. Where I was born. Oh, where you were born. And then where, where but you bounced all around. I was there till like four. Four. And okay. then I grew up in like Virginia. My parents okay. moved to Virginia and I grew up on the East Coast. And then I lived in Arizona for 10 years and then I moved here in 2011. How do you connect back to Kenya at all? Do you ever go back? Uh, the last time I was there was 2013 because my That's mom's right. whole family is still, still Malawi, uh, but not okay. Kenya. I went to Malawi. So my mom's family is still there. I was there in 2013, but that was the first time in 25 years, which, which my dad has traveled to like 70 something, 80 countries. Like he's been everywhere all over the world his entire life. Oh, and I'm, I'm so like, jealous. why did we never go back to Africa? Like <laughs> hang out with the fam. It was like, they came to America and I was like, deuces with everything. Yeah. <laughs> deuces. Like what the fuck? Like, can we go back? And I know multiple languages. Like, can you not make your children? Like, I don't know. So I was like the black girl at my school. Um, and growing up, like, 
I was just bullied a lot. Ugh. And it was this aspect of like, okay, well, I'm either, and like about my hair, which I still oh, question anyone hair. that compliments yeah. it. It's really? so dumb. But like when people compliment me, I'm like, what the fuck do you want from me? And now I'm like, uh, you liar. Yeah. Because I just grew up with Trauma. all of like dumb shit, like calling me Belle Biv DeFro and like, just saying like calling me Velcro head and you're like, oh, if you jumped on a bed, you'd stick to the like ceiling. Like, I don't like, but I'm a child. So I'm like, shitty. Up, I'll murder your family. <laughs> um, oh, I was bad though. Like I if you won't murder them, you'll just be naked in front of them and set them up for child porn. <laughs> like, I'll murder you or I'll ruin you, bitch. <laughs> or I'll ruin your family's reputation. Um, and so there was so it was like you're either gonna accept that you're always laughed at mm. or you're gonna fucking kill yourself. Like that was like where so like real. what it feels because I've always had relationship with death too, like a really deep relationship with like always knowing that like it's the precipice of every decision that I make. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know. I just feel like and we need a new relationship with death in a, in this country as well because I've done some medicines that I'm very like I'm. I'm not saying I'm happy to die. I can't wait. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, if what I experienced on Bufo, which is the toad poison. So I've done toad poison. Now I'm going to do frog poison, which is the one that makes you puke up, like, every toxin and every energetic toxin, like, ancestral, like, bullshit, like, too. It's deep. But death is beautiful. It's so unconditional. There's no words for it because it's a feeling like you can't explain where your consciousness goes when you try, when you work with this medicine. But if I hadn't recorded myself, cause I just did it again when I was in Tulum and they said that I could record my experience and dude, I like, like hacked up and like they turned me on my side. I threw up. I literally have no idea any of this happened when they were telling me, I'm like, no, you didn't. Nah, I was in, I was just in, my consciousness was gone and it was in fucking heaven. I don't know what else to call it. It was amazing. So wait, so I what? I don't know why I was saying that. No, it's okay. Uh, so, but back to comedy though. So you were like, either I am oh. going to be, either we're going to enjoy Funny these or laughs or I'm going to die. Okay, cool. That yeah, makes- and so Tommy Ritter was a boy in my school. Him and I were the class clowns all the time. We'd always be in trouble and always be funny and like making up stupid shit. And I knew we were going to be comedians. Like in elementary school, I was like, I want to be a comedian and Tommy Ritter's going to be a comedian. And he was for a time in his life. He used to live in LA and he was doing comedy. Wow, okay. Then how, I mean, I can't, I think about this all the time. Like if I had to wait tables at a Broadway theater, I, I just don't think I could do it. I j- it's too close. It's too too close watching people doing the thing that you want more so than anything. Like it's why it doesn't, it doesn't affect me at the comedy store, but it would affect me so deeply if it were Broadway or something like that. How do you deal with that? I mean, I also wanted to be an actor and I still watch TV, you know, it's just like there are times like where, and I get what you're saying. Totally. Like it would be like, even if I go to a play, I'm like, I want to, I have the capacity to be this amazing and talented. And why am I not doing it? But You know, when I went in, I went in with the thought that, hey, here's my opportunity to really like start to make it. I mean, everybody who's a comedian and goes into the comedy store, like that's what, you know what I mean? Like you want. And 
they only really hired comedians as door guys. Like they, Mitzi never, from what Eric tells me, never would have hired a comedian as a waitress because like she doesn't want people needing nights off. Oh, I got a show now. Oh, I want, it was like, you're committed to to being the cocktail waitress there and making your money and serving drinks, whatever. Mm -hmm. So Eric Anderson had seen me perform for, the belly room Saturday night show. I'm not even going to give her a shout don't, out. You know don't I'm talking skip about. it. Skip no. it. She can. So he had seen me perform. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, she had seen, he had seen me perform on that show. And I was like at a point in time, like working with her, like in on those shows anyway. Um, and so when I came in and was like, here's my resume, like I want to work here. And he's like, we just hired people. And I said, cool. I don't care. Like I want to be a waitress here. Cause I knew door guys, had to be like asked to come in. And so, yeah, he hired me and he goes, this doesn't mean that you're going to be doing comedy here. It doesn't mean that you're going to get spots. It doesn't mean whatever. And I was like, totally fine. Cool. Um, but in my head, I'm like, uh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I know that like the cover booth gets to do spot. I know that other people have done spots, but really initially, I mean, Punky, I know started doing comedy after she was there, but I don't know if she went in as like, I want to be a comedian. I she's think actually, it was like, she, she's been on the podcast and she said that was a hundred percent her goal. She wanted oh, to. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So, but maybe they didn't know because they, oh, she didn't tell anybody. Told she me. told nobody. Right. Cause she didn't think she'd get so hired. It was just like, we don't usually hire. Yeah. Right. The comedian. So I was probably the first known that like she does comedy and we're bringing her in. And maybe I should have known that was a red flag of like, will they take me seriously? But lots of things happen at that place. That place is very dark. I had a door guy lie about me and it took away the privilege for me to even perform there for a while. Like I've been there. I've gone through the ringer at the comedy store. But I can also say, like, would I be like this person that I am right now without having to go through that? And also the lessons that I learned. Like, I've learned so many lessons from these hazing ass bitches. And I love all of you when you listen to this. I love every single one of you, even if I hate you, because you've taught me so much. Like, you've taught me about myself. You've made me have to, like, question myself and feel into myself and, like, just learn about myself and grow. And so, I appreciate you and I thank you all for being a part of that craziness. But also like it sucks because I'm like, I I believe in my soul. I everyone I talk to fucking laughs at me. I've literally been told my whole life, do you do comedy? Are you a comedian? You should do comedy. You're a comedian. Like I know that this is in my blood and it's in my thing. I just think maybe I need to make it, you know, and and like. I, be more serious, I guess, is what it is. Like, I am serious about it, but it's also I get discouraged very easily. And this is the part of me where I'm like, I want to puke out of me. Like, whatever it is that I I live life to the fullest some days, and then I literally waste every second of my existence some days. And it's like more days than not where I'm wasting it. And I know it's emotional things that I, I wasn't facing at the time. And I wasn't good at communicating and being honest. Like, I'm not good at being weak seeming weak everything has to be strong so if you come at me combatively like i'm gonna come back at you combatively and if you know anything about the comedy store that's not how you enter that place and it's not how you be and so i didn't know i'm like i'm cute and i'm beautiful and i'm funny and i can get away with everything and it's like oh bitch (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. But don't you think, I mean, just speaking specifically about the comedy store, don't you think, though, that some comics hang too much importance on this one particular place being the thing that's going to, I mean, I know a shitload of people have had success out of there, so it's hard to argue that their formula doesn't work, but I feel like sometimes people put this importance and pressure on this one location and it's like the number of disappointed, angry, bitter, like just people that stay, it's like people who stay in LA for too long. It's like maybe LA is, it's not to say entertainment's not for everybody, but maybe not, maybe not in LA. I, I just think sometimes people well, have too much importance. Well, if you're staying in LA to be an entertainer and that industry hasn't like accepted you, then like, yeah, maybe if you want to be in LA, cool. But what other passion or purpose or thing do you have, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, when I first started working there, you never got to meet Doc. Oh my God, Doc was the best lot guy ever. He's just the fucking coolest dude. He loved to give massages and I. they were consensual. They were consensual back massages. He was amazing. Everybody fucking loved Doc and loves Doc. I love Doc Willis. And so one day we were driving. I think he was, was I giving him a ride or he was giving me a ride? Oh, he was giving me a ride up the hill because a lot of us used to park like up the hill on this one street. And so we were talking about the comedy store and just how crazy, you know, the craziness. And I'm just like, oh, I just I want to be liked and I want to be accepted and I want to be seen as like talented because I know that I'm funny. Like, I know I'm fucking funny and I know that I'm creative. And but mine is feels very different because it's very in the moment. I just like in the moment feel connected to things. And I don't know if that's crowd work or riffy or what, but like to sit down and write something down and then repeat it over and over again and hit these same, I'm too off. Like I can't, like my authenticity has to be so in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's like, I definitely see myself needing to have a couple things that like grab the audience right away. And then I can riff, 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 which I know. And I do have some things, but anyway, doc was like too many people. Exactly what you said put so much into this place. He goes, look, maybe this place is going to be what makes you make it. But like, while you're at this place, what are you going to be doing to make it? You know, and you've got to be doing your own thing. And Naked and Serious felt so like, yes, it's original. It's different. I get to interview people and just talk with them. And I think most of the time I'm my funniest when it is like this one-on-one just vibe. Like I like to just hang out and vibe with people. And, uh, And so he gave me that and he's just like, you want your name on the wall. We all want our name on the wall. But look, like if it never happens, you're going to be okay as well. But like, what are you going to do to create the life that you still want? Like outside of if it doesn't happen at the comedy store. And so that was very helpful. I want my name on the wall. I would love to be given a chance at the comedy store, you know, like I definitely want that. But I also know that there's an infinite amount of possibilities and I might be too busy to be able to perform at the comedy store because I'm shooting naked and serious on a network all the time. Like there's so many things that could happen. I really want to travel a lot. Like, so yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I guess, I guess that helps that you not only have that conversation with him, but that you also, there's other aspirations you have apart from just having your name on the wall. I think the people that end up going crazy and that's why a lot of the door guys are just insufferable humans to be around because of the pressure they've put on it. But also because it is like they were told, Hey, you're even closer now. And then they're, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway. Well, then some of the door guys, I mean, and I'm so happy for the few that like did get out and like started doing other things. Like it's great. Like Jay light doesn't have his name on the wall yet, but, and yet, because he will, but 
you know, it was like, how many years can you put into a place? And then you're not, and I have to ask myself the same thing. Like how many years can I be this awesome fucking server that doesn't even want to be a server and wants to have my name, you know, and I'm making more money serving than I would make my money performing there, like for sure. Mm -hmm. But of course that would open doors to like opening for other people and traveling more and getting paid from like those other venues. But I don't, I don't know if people think like, oh, you go to the comedy store and you get paid bank. Like the comedians, like it's their passion and their craft and their heart. You only really get paid well from my understanding like a Friday or Saturday night sold out like main room show. Otherwise you're talking $15 for, you know, the original room set. And I think it's $25 on weekday nights for like the main room set, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's so funny. You're no, we're good. We're going to move past the store, but it's funny. Your intuition has had you bring up um, like just people that I've interviewed on the podcast. Jay's been on the podcast too. So that's funny that so listeners, she's referencing people that you, you all have already met. And if you're a new listener now, go back. Jay light, punky Johnson. They both have episodes on this podcast. All right. The best. Yeah, Yeah, they are awesome. Okay. Well, um, we hope you enjoyed your apps folks. We're going to get on to the, Oh, well actually, you know what? I want to go back really quickly. Because getting a job there is notoriously, mm-hmm. you know, this thing that's so hard to do and blah, blah, blah. You, you mentioned Eric having seen you perform there. How did you, is that the only way that, like, how did you get the job? Because he said, oh, we're not See, hiring. This is how, so this is how I knew that I'm supposed to be at the comedy store. And like, most people don't even fucking know this story. So this is amazing. Thank you. I'm so, your intuition. Thank you for going back for this. I was working like seven jobs. I was working catering jobs. I was, it was insane. Like my life here was insane. And I was like having, I was sitting one day, I had taken in my stuff just off intuition. Like I was fine. Okay. Davina, think. I had stopped and I was like, I want to be at the comedy store all the time. The only thing is I can't be here and not be making money. Like I can't be here every night because I have so many jobs. So I need to get a job there. So I went and I started hanging out for like maybe a week. And there was this one security guard that had been turned into a manager. But I think he was a security guard there at Terrence at the time. And he was cool. We started chit-chatting and he's like, oh, you want to work here? Like I'll mention something to Richie. So he says something to Richie and I keep coming in and I like introduce myself to Richie. And then something in me was just like, bring a resume to Eric. Like Eric Anderson's like the main guy. I was like, oh, cool. I know him from doing her show. And so one Friday night, I bring in my resume, literally right as I'm walking up, Eric is standing right out front, right as I'm walking up, whoever he's talking to walks off. It's like my parking juju here. Like I swear, whenever I get somewhere and I want, I don't ever worry about parking in LA. It's amazing. And so I see him and I was like, hey, Eric, uh, you know me, really want to work here. I know you just hired some waitresses, but I'm smart. I can do the waitressing job. Here's my resume. Whenever you're ready, let me know. And he's like, oh yeah, it would probably be like another six to eight months. I was like, no obligation, like just when you're ready, let me know. And so this is, I started working there October 1st, 2014. So this has to be August, September, in September. And so I'm on my floor. I'm like having this day where I'm like, why do I fucking live here? Acting isn't working for me. Shit isn't working for me. I have fucking seven jobs and my schedule's insane. And I don't, like, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this. And I'm laying on my bedroom floor and I had my legs up on the bed. You know, when you're on a pool, like the side of a pool and you have your legs up and you're laying back. So I'm laying there. My dog is laying next to me. And I'm just bawling. I'm like, I don't 
I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just fucking bawling. It's like that moment in a movie where you're like, I'm at my breaking point. And someone calls me. I don't know the number. So I let it go to voicemail because I don't answer numbers. I don't know. I am a stoner. <laughs> and so it's, I feel like it's a thing stoners. It's like, oh, I don't know that. I'm not getting my voice. <laughs> and so leaves a message and I turn on, I go to listen to the message right away. And he's like, Hey, Davina, this is Eric Anderson from the comedy store. You, uh, if you remember, you brought in your resume and he was just like, I don't know if you're so interested in working here. I know like, <laughs> this is like maybe a week and a half, two weeks later. He's like, I don't know if you're interested in still working here. And he's just like, but if you are, give me a call back. I, I didn't even listen to the rest. I fucking call him. And I was like, uh, what, what do I, I'll be there in 20 minutes. What do you need me to do? Like, I was just like, no fucking way that while I'm on my floor bawling, being like, Los Angeles, do you want me here or not? You know, yeah. I get a call from fucking Eric Anderson. I go in and I was like, hey, because I thought working the cover booth would get me more of a possibility to get into mm. during the door. So when I signed up, I like did the application and I said, I want to be a waitress, whatever. And as I'm leaving, I was like, also, I'd be down to learn like the cover booth thing, whatever you guys need. Like, I'm here to learn it, you know? And he was just like, oh, we probably do need another cover booth person, too. So like my first month there, I did my orientation on October 1st, but I was doing like cover booth. And then I was just like, hey, this isn't going to be enough money. Like, I want to work here as a waitress. And he was like, okay. And so then I started waitressing. But it was like when I went in for the application, all that was to waitress. So yeah, everything was really just me dealing with Eric Anderson. And I feel like that's another reason why when I started working there, people are like, who the fuck is this girl? Like... I hadn't been hired by, you know, I hadn't met all the managers. There weren't multiple interviews. It was just like a phone call. And so it's like, who the fuck is this girl? And I'm going in like, I'm Davina motherfucking Joy. You know what I mean? And and I, you got to learn to be humble a little bit. There's nothing wrong with being humble, but humble does not equal like taking so much shit and not fighting back and or standing up for yourself. And that's where. Yeah, that's the the balance though, because I kept my head down and was quiet and they came for me anyway. And then it was like, I had already been established that I was a punching bag. And so it was like, when I did finally put my foot down and get lippy and push back, it was like, fuck this bitch. We're going to destroy her. And it's like, wait, what, what, in what universe is that? (laughs) Anyway, God bless the lessons, the comedy store. store. Yeah. Which is an alternate reality. Well, I'm glad that we, yeah, I wanted to know that story because I'm always curious because it's such a notoriously difficult place to get and keep a job. So I just wanted to know, like, you know, your story. All right, folks. So we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the entrees after a quick break. We are back. And now it's time for the entrees. Okay, Davina, this is the speed round of questions. Feel free to tell stories if you want. Oh, shit. Okay. You got this. It's going to be super great. Just tap in, <laughs> Davina. The thing is that in my spiritual lessons, learning to let go of the past means like forgetting, letting go of the past yeah. to me. So like, yeah, yeah, it's just like forgetting. Otherwise, I replace it, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I either need to forget this, forgive it, and like let it, let it fucking go. So like when you ask me, when I was looking at some of the things, I'm like, oh, I don't fucking know. I'm sure there's something that exists, but we'll see what comes up. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh, I, You are not the first person to tell me that they did not want to relive some of these questions. So, okay. <laughs> what was your first job ever, ever, ever where the government was like taking taxes out of your salary? 
I worked at a vet clinic for two years from 16 to 18 before I left for college. Oh, wow. I was like a vet tech person. Yeah. Okay. I've always been an animal lover. What was next? From working there, then I went to school. Wow, this is an interesting question. Was it when I started grooming? Because then I went to Arizona to go to school. Yeah, it might have been. I used to groom dogs and cats, and I did that for like five years. So that was a no, it definitely wasn't that because I had worked at Sprint. It was serving jobs. Like there were, I can't remember what my very first serving job is. It might have been at Native New Yorker, which is like a wing spot in Arizona. But I worked at a a few different restaurants. Like my friend Ava, her dad owned a restaurant. So when I had gone back for a year of college, I think is when I worked at her dad's restaurant. God, there's been so much. But it's always been customer service. Like it's always been some kind of customer service job. Can you ballpark how many customer service jobs you've had? Oh my gosh. Okay, so do you consider the vet the vet as customer service? Yes, because you're interacting with customer service. Basically. So vet... There's got to be at least three or four restaurant jobs. Valet is customer service, not including a comedy store. I mean, it's got to be like 10. 10 at least, probably the very... Because catering, I worked for like a few different catering companies. So they're all in the same like realm, but they're all different companies. And when I first moved here, I worked as a valet at the... So yeah, there's. I've had a lot of freaking jobs, but in the same kind of industry group, just different companies. Do you know how to drive? Which doesn't make me sound like a good employee. It's like, I quit those jobs, by the way. Like I wasn't fired from any except for one, which was a sprint. Job. We'll get, we're going to get there. That's a question later. Okay. Um, but okay. So, cause I'm counting, like, I mean, you listed just now just about 15. So what, yeah. what, when you did valet, was that for multiple companies or was it at a hotel? Like, were you a traveling valet? What was your valet Sitch. Uh, I did a few because when I first started it, when I first decided that I'm going to move to LA, I was like, okay, what kind of job that can I get that's going to make me a lot of money? I'm an idiot. I know nothing about LA and that everyone hates parking and everyone hates the valets and everyone hates everything about all of it. So when I first came out here, I was working catering, but then I got a job at the Four Seasons doing valet. And but before that, when I was in Arizona, I decided I wanted to valet. So I found a company and like, there was this guy, he was like, we don't have any spots available, but call me next week. Dude, he did this for like eight weeks. He'd be like, well, we don't have any spots available yet. Call me next week. And I'm like, do you want me to call you in like two weeks? Like, I'd be like, what you want me to call you every week? And he wanted me to call him every fucking week. And that is how you get sh- like, I was persistent. I called him every fucking week on the same day. And I was like, just checking in. And he's like, nope, we don't have jobs yet, like available. Cool. So then I ended up getting a job. It was at a hotel. And I even worked like night shifts there one time because they needed like a night valet person. And I'm an idiot who's like, Sure, it can't be hard working overnight, but I also had day shifts. So, yeah, so it was like horrific. And I only did that for like a month and a half. And I was like, dude, you got, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just going to keep working the day shifts. But I worked at the, um, God, the fact that I can't remember. I have a referral letter from, because they were like, if Davina wasn't moving to Los Angeles, she would be like manager material. I came here with a really good referral letter. 
It's in Arizona. Okay. I can't believe I can't remember. That's okay. It was, I mean, whatever you've had, that's not your goal. Also, I think it's easy to forget all these jobs when. So that was a stationary like valet that I worked at. And actually the Scottsdale princess, which is the one that I would call about all the time. And he'd be like, it's not open. I never ended up working there. I only worked at this one place. So that was the first place. And then when I moved here, I had a couple jobs, ended up going to the four seasons, getting the valet job there. And also there was this, company called valet girls. I don't know if they're still in existence, but it was girl valets. And so like people like private, what's, was it Charlize Theron was one of our people that like did parties. So we did parties at like really big people's houses. Like they knew about the valet girls. They loved us, but we also did like the Renaissance festival, which I was like signed up for one day. And I was like, yeah, no, no, ma'am. That shit. <laughs> no, ma'am. So I did travel valet as well. Can, once I lived in LA, can you drive stick shift? Yeah, that helps. That really helps. Yeah. Actually, my first brand new car ever that I got uh, when I was in Arizona, I bought a stick shift, but I didn't fully. I knew how to drive it from when I was younger. My friend showed me, but in her car, I would always jump in first because like my first position, I could never do first gear. Anything else after that, I was fine. So when I went to pick up this brand new car, it was a Honda Civic. That was a manual. Uh, I had to bring a friend with me because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to drive my new car home. And I was, I was, I remembered it all, but. That's so, my very first new car was a, a stick shift Honda Civic. And I had to have my dad next to me because I was like, okay, I lied a little bit. I don't exactly know how to drive this car. Like, please help. (laughs) So it was so easy. Like the first year was so easy. I'm like, dude, my friend's car was a piece of shit. And her parents were insane for letting her fucking drive that. Like it was, I could never not hop 10 feet. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Okay. So we're, so you're guessing between 10 and 15, although it sounds like more than that, but that's like kind of where you're hovering. I'd say 15 sounds good 15 to 20 but that makes me sad because I'm you know my god if I just worked my whole damn life but yes we've had uh people this pandemic some some a couple guests have had in the 40s so you're fine if you actually had it I mean when I was in college I was very lucky my parents knew that if they didn't pay for school and like pay for my whatever. I wasn't going to go to school. I never wanted to go. I mean, it took me four years to get a two-year degree to get my associates. <laughs> like I was just, but not because I was dumb. I was like, didn't want not going to do a full schedule. Yeah. Not going to, I just didn't care. And then finally I was like, you guys, I'm an actor. I'm an entertainer. My school is life. I'm not doing this anymore. You're literally wasting, wasting your, your money. money. So like, yeah. you're going to be mad at me, but I don't care. And they're like, well, then you're going to get a job and be independent. I'm like, okay. yeah, that's the that's next the goal. Step. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I did. so which of all of your customer jobs that you can re- customer service jobs that you can remember, which was your favorite? You know, stripping is stripping considered a customer service job. That is for sure. Hardcore. That is the only customer service job. Are you kidding me? So I was a topless dancer in Arizona from 23 to 28 and maybe even 22 to 28. And, uh, that was my favorite because of the perverted factor. Like I was, I was just a sexual harasser like at work. And that was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And I would like be on stage pretending I had a dick and like guys would come to tip me like a dollar, five dollars. I've got $50 one time, like just fucking in my thong Um, on each side. It was actually a hundred. Now that I'm remembering it was on each side. And, uh, 
And I would like fake I had a dick and like be jerking it off and then throw my hand forward like I was throwing the cum onto their face. Like I was an idiot. Like I definitely <laughs> did not get paid for being sexy, <laughs> but I got paid for being funny. <laughs> Which is a the, hey, look, that's a route. That's a way to go. What I don't understand, I completely forgot about that part of your job history. Why not do that in L.A.? The money is insane. I don't know that from personal experience, but I was friends with a stripper who, holy shit, made un gob more money than one human should make in a night. She was making. What did her tits look like? Were they oh, fake? she was gorgeous. They were fake and she was gorgeous. Yeah, is yeah, gorgeous. So it's yeah. super easy for her. A. B, I had told myself, like, when I moved here, I did bring some of my stripper gear because I was like, I'll work in a bikini bar. Like, I take acting so I could already be famous if I fucked for the spot. Like, That's right. plus, all I have to do is suck one good dig and I'm the lead of everything I want to do. Like, I'm very good at it and I very much enjoy it. So it's <laughs> At the Sorry, end of Mom. the day, <laughs> like I used to, <laughs> I used to, I just took it so seriously. Like nobody's ever going to say that I fucked them to get anything. Right. Nobody, like when I make it, I'm going to make it off the fact that like I deserve it. And this was just a huge, and I hate this part of me because God, have I made life difficult? Hello. <laughs> same not, girl. Same. <laughs> this morality clause is bullshit. Yeah. Yes. Just fucking get what you want for the fuck. <laughs> like fuck. <laughs> And hopefully they're good enough for like, like the sucking dick. I definitely am like picky. Like I'm not just putting any fucking dick in my mouth, but if it's pretty, it's going in. But like, um, and if you're not pretty, just cover your head. Like I'll just, um, me and him are going to have a date. You just don't talk. But so I was really good at like objectifying. And when I moved out here, I was like, I'll do like bikini bars. Mm. Like that's something that I'll do. But I don't know. There was a part of me too. Who's like, but you can also like not do that. And so, cause I don't know, no drinking allowed in some of these places. It just seemed weird to me. And you have to get like a license, like a business license, mm-hmm. like an erotic entertainer's license, which I had to do in Phoenix too. And there was just a part of me that's like, ah, oh, this feels like taxes and work. I'm telling you, the administrative part kept me from being a <laughs> kept you from, The business of stripping kept you out of it. <laughs> Never has the that sentence been said. <laughs> because <laughs> the Ooh. licensing part of stripping kept me from being the best stripper in the world but like <laughs> yeah stripping is so fun it's amazing and it is a uh you know i get like i said i get paid to be a fucking sexual harasser and so that was a really fun job but i also like I loved working with animals when I worked with animals. I just hated like the death part and like the sick and the hurt and the wounded and the vaccine and all that. Like I hated I all have done of that it, either. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And even grooming dogs and cats, it was like, oh, just it just takes a toll on your body and it takes a toll on you. And you just have like hairs and places all over you that like you shouldn't. And mm. I don't know. I was like, I'm too fucking hot for this. So I became a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of all the customer service jobs, which was your least favorite? I mean, I really hate working in a restaurant. Come on, girl. Yes. I love catering. I don't mind catering. Like one party, all the same people, you deal with them, and then it's done. Yes. That's why I love like the comedy store. You have this one show, you deal with them, it's done. And then they started doing two shows all the goddamn fucking time. And it was just like wearing us down, but also the money was fantastic. But like, I don't mind that kind of like service job, but like a restaurant where you have an eight hour shift and it's going to be different group of people all the time. That was, 
the death of my soul. It's like, so taxing. I just absolutely it's, hated it. Yeah, it's really taxing. But I find and I'm too much of an empath. Like I Same. absorb people's stuff, Same. and then like, if I. And I'm such a reflect, like a mirror that like if someone comes in and they're in a bad mood, like you're probably going to get a shitty side of me. And it's not even me. It's you reflecting back to you. Ugh. But like if I get shitty, like if I'm disrespected, I just have some, I could never work in a fine dining. There was a point in time where I wanted to work fine dining, not going to memorize a menu, not going to memorize a wine, <laughs> not going to do any of that fucking homework. And also I can't cuss, like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like I, You would actually die. I'd be fired so so fast. <laughs> oh my God. I'd be like, yeah, I bet you do like me in your mouth. They'd be like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, ma'am. I'll, just, there's the, I'll see my myself. Out. Yeah. Me Let me just check check. if that address is right. And then I'm out. I'm going to bring them like a sausage with the potatoes looking like balls. And like, this is a presentation of like their meal. And they're like, um, did ma'am. you just bring me a dick and balls? No, you ordered me and potatoes. That's what you get, dude. Yeah. That's okay. what the comedy store is about. But but it is a restaurant environment. I mean that it so that it's not your least favorite though. It's just restaurants in general. If it's a true well, restaurant, we, yeah. No comedy store was my. Co- we were cocktail waitresses. Yeah, like, we right. might put through the food order, but we're not really having to deal with the food unless the fucking kitchen's a piece of shit, which was just like they didn't care. And I get it, dude. If I was kitchen staff there, I would have quit. Like I don't care about that shit either. But if you are going to stay at a job. This is my point. Just learn the tables, accept it, and yes. try to make the best out of it. This yes. is literally everything in life. Just yes. trying to make the best out of it. I see some homeless people where I'm like, dude, that person's happier than I've ever been in my fucking life. <laughs> in my entire like, life. No security. They don't know what's ever going to happen mm-hmm. like on a day-to-day basis. But like somehow they are fucking just in acceptance and living it in such a beauty, yeah. like such a beautiful way that it's like, just do that, you know? I'm with you on that. I totally agree. And I think that there's a, a finesse of, I don't know how to say it. Like, I, I just think if you like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And there's a, there's a finesse of, yes, I understand the conflict of, I don't want to be seen as kitchen staff. I don't want to be seen as a server. I don't want to be seen as a server. Like not that there's anything wrong with the job, but it's just my aspirations are to be seen as a fully realized human that is in entertainment, not a server. And so I understand that wrestling within yourself, but if you're a piece of shit at whatever level you're at, like this is why when the door guys are shitty to customers, I'm like, you understand that that customer is actually the head of CAA and you're just too fucking dumb to realize it. And now I'm going to swoop in and be so crazy nice to that human because I'm nice to everyone that I wait on for the most part. But like you dumb fuck like why would you anyway that's a separate that's a separate issue well i mean yeah i well it's just stupid it's like people not realizing that like yes how you are showing up in this moment like can make or break it when you're at the comedy look when you're at the grocery store whatever like we're all gonna be shitty sometimes to people that don't deserve it because we're just in that you're fucking human. place whatever yeah, yeah. but like at the end of the day when you're at a place like the comedy store where you literally don't know who is walking through the doors and you literally know that a lot of the people coming in could be special guests, VIP, all that shit. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just got to And you're at the comedy store. Your job is to stand in a room and make sure people don't heckle and act like assholes. And it is the worst. Like, I 100% know that would be boring as all goddamn hell. But like, those door guys got stage time. You know, Adam created the position where they get to do five minutes opening the original room while we're seating and still like taking drink orders and this and that. But like, dude, you're getting 
someone would kill for this opportunity. Kill. You're and also I get that once you're fleecing all the customers too, and like pocketing all that yeah. money. Like uh, you're making more than we're making. Like I don't want to hear it. And you're mad, yeah. And you're doing one nineteenth like, oh. of the work, and you're getting stage time. I'm fuck you. Like, Fuck you. Like, oh, I got to seat these people. Okay, but what do you do after that? Walk away? Cool. Now I have to deal with them the whole time. And if you are a fucking asshole to them and you put them in some sort of mood before yep. I even get to the table, people project their mood onto other people. Like, that's just what people, unaware, unaware and unenlightened people project their mood. And even enlightened people sometimes, we all get caught up in it. Like, yeah. where we lose our, you know, we forget who we are and we forget, like, what we know and we're just in a bad fucking mood. And yeah whatever that is. But like, yeah, it's insane. And then they want, they're mad at us. And what you guys, what you make so much money. Do you know how hard we fucking work? Also, you, th they make more money than fight. we do. Everything's a fight yeah. and they make more. Uh, but well, I want to put. When I first started there, Kate, like, I don't know if like, I think that got more and more. I think there's people that came from La Jolla and were like, what the fuck is going on? Why aren't you guys charging more? Like when I was first doing Cover Booth, there wasn't like this big thing about charging everyone for this. I don't know if I would have left Cover Booth. Like I left because it was like, there's not enough. Yeah, you would have made money. Fucking money be made. So in 2014 to like 20 20 when it closed like a lot of things got sketchier as far as that goes I feel like yeah and it's not for the record it's not every door person there are some lovely door no. people that work there but the over the number look, of them I don't mind the hustle like if hustle get hustle, your hustle, get your bag get your bag fucking don't have your hustle fuck up my hustle correct that's where we're gonna have a problem and not seat people oh, I could go on and they steal money not out of our pockets people and, and then like, yeah and then be taking money and then those people that sit at that booth that they just paid you a fucking hundred dollars for drink fucking waters in a soda like yeah because they didn't know uh -huh. you know what I mean they don't they're not expecting but those people also, if you can't afford it, don't fucking sit in the VIP. Yeah. You're doing that so that you can show off and be seen. But then I'm like, hey, let me show you the, his tab of $25 dollars <laughs> and his tip of two. Uh, like, fuck the fuck off. If you know they what I mean? You. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing? You, you. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? I mean, I feel like most of my jobs were always very like most normal jobs, you know, like I, I guess stripping. I was just about to say, Davina, you, you done to. taking yeah. your clothes off. I'm Let's like, get real I'm clear. Like, um, <laughs> well, I was only a topless dancer. Like I never had, cause I had this thing in my head that someday Hugh Hefner was going to pay me millions for my pussy. So I would like tell people like, cause they'd be like, show me your pussy, show me your pussy, show me your pussy. I'll give you 200 bucks. And I was like, I have a platinum priceless pussy. Like it's only going to get a million. It's going to get a million dollars. Now it's on Patreon free. Well, not free, but it's fucking out there. Like, <laughs> and I'm not making a million fucking dollars. Let me tell you. But I was very, so it was just things like, like that. I did have one guy who was like super foot fetish. And so he sees me and I had these glowing fucking seven inch stilettos. Uh, they glue were glowing because of the black light and the lighting in the room. They were like neon yellow. And so I come in, I do like my stage and he comes over and he's like, Hey, I want to take you to VIP. And I was like, Oh, okay. So we go into VIP and he's like, I want to put your foot in my mouth. And I was like, excuse me. Cause I'd been working for like a few hours and I'm like, my my feet, like when I was a stripper, I took care of my feet. They were pedicure. That was like my guilty pleasure. Um, now as a rock climber, I'm like, it's a waste of money. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in me. Doing um, I really used to take care of my feet and shit. And, uh, 
And yeah, so he just wanted to like put my feet in his mouth. And like, I was like, no, dude, you're gross. No, of course I finally let him because he paid of me course. like more money. Like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like it's my foot in and your it's just mouth. A foot. I, I looked at his mouth to make sure there's no like herbs inside. You like, you know, I'm not yeah. going to get like foot herbs. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want my toes to stay without the herby herbs and no, <laughs> no warts, no shit. But uh, yeah, but like I let him fucking suck my feet and it was, it was, it was not nice but it wasn't any when I was working it was never about sexual like I I didn't ever even want to dance for hot guys because mm. if I'm dancing for you and you're hot and then you're starting to tell me I'm hot like I'm gonna want to fuck you you know what I mean yeah. so I had to have and yes I did dance for hot guys and yes we did like talk a lot of shit to each other while I was dancing but I was not gonna like fuck for money I wasn't ever gonna do anything outside of there so probably yeah that's probably pretty that. weird okay What's an incident that made in any of these jobs made the customer ask to speak to the manager, like an incident with you? Was there ever? I, when I read this, the thing that came up, I go, do I actually say this on the podcast and put this out in public? Because the thing that I'll say is that... folks this is the end of part one of two with the lovely Davina Joy we give out all of her socials and all of that info in the next episode or in the show notes of this episode in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can send us an email you already have that email address it's service from hell podcast gmail.com or visit us over at patreon there's videos there patreon.com forward slash the Kate Gaffney and then join us next week here for part two of two with Davina Joy good night good night